Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. He's in there because we didn't do our jobs. And now we're, like I said, backs against the wall. And he's ready to go in. He's prepared. And, you know, we got to follow his lead and, and make sure that we have his back. Josh Allen right there talking about Joe Brady, Bill's new interim offensive coordinator. We'll hear from him. At 11.30, Eric Washington and Joe Brady will speak. Not exactly clear on who's going to go first, but we'll hear from both of them at the bottom of this hour. Joe, when should fantasy teams have their trade deadline? They should have their trade deadline either this week or last week, in my opinion. Have it before, multiple weeks before the fantasy playoffs at least. Um, Just so, you know, you don't get any... I think the the closer you get to the playoffs, the the higher the chance of... uh, Funny business. Collusion. Collusion, if you will. Yeah. Not, not that every league has that. You'd mm-hmm. like to think they don't, but a lot of fantasy leagues do. And this, I think, helps. When when you have more people, more teams in the mix, then I think you're less likely to have that. I agree with all that. All right. Sneaky starts and sits. We are getting to trade deadline time. We are getting to playoff stretch time. Joe, help everyone out, my man. All right. Let's start. With uh, we we got a couple for tonight's game a little bit later on. Um, actually, I did not. I, I took one out. I had Gus Edwards in there for one of my sits tonight, but he is getting touchdowns fed to him. Keaton Mitchell, you could play tonight. Gus Edwards, you could play tonight. There's a lot of good options in our uh, three leg parlay we did on the morning show. Trenton Irwin is somebody that I went with over 34 and a half yards. He's got 14 targets in two games where he has started in place of T. Higgins. So you can do a lot of things tonight. Josh Dobbs is where I want to start with starts and sits in this one. I disagreed with John Scott yesterday when he was on with us about Dobbs and the idea that like John kind of thinks that he it's been overhyped what Dobbs has been this year. I I mean it's been hyped through the roof. So that could still be correct, but I think he's been legitimately good, not as a passer, but this is why I always love the idea of a team going for a backup quarterback that can run. There's no backup quarterback in the league that is going to be able to suffice what his starter does or replace what his starter does with his arm. So give me the mobility. That is what Josh Dobbs is doing. He is running the ball. He is creating things out of structure. Did you know with a league that contains Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and for a time Anthony Richardson, a lot of mobile quarterbacks all around the league, 
Josh Dobbs leads the National Football League among quarterbacks and runs over 20 yards. He has won every game. And in the last four games, he's got a rushing touchdown in each of them. He is being utilized as a weapon around the goal line. It's why his teams look competitive. Is he passing the ball great? He's, he's okay. He's been fine. He is one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. And the numbers show that. If you watch him, he's making magic happen on every single game with his legs. This week against the Denver Broncos, I think you're going to see him run again. And now, hey, maybe his passing starts to shoot up because looks like Justin Jefferson is going to return to action. He's about to get the league's best wide receiver in his uh, receiving core. He's now throwing to Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson. He runs the ball a lot. And pretty tasty matchup against the Broncos. They're still pretty gettable on defense. He's only being started in 32% of leagues. I think that number should be much higher. He's quarterback seven. Josh Dobbs has more fantasy points this year than Patrick Mahomes. There's no reason why he shouldn't be in your lineup unless you've got like Josh Allen as your quarterback. Start number two. Let's go to Green Bay. Wide receiver Jaden Reed. Rookie wide receiver Jaden Reed. This has been a year where you could trust a lot of rookies to play for your lineups. Jordan Addison has been that. Josh Downs has probably been the best of them in Indianapolis. Here's another one. Jaden Reed is starting to come on as the Packers' best wide receiver. Second-round pick, a great route runner, one of the big Matt Harmon reception-perception guys coming into the league. He is a separator. He wins against man coverage. He is now being asked to do more in Green Bay. He's only being started, by the way, in 15% of fantasy leagues. Jordan Love. One thing we've been able to figure out about Jordan Love through 10 weeks This guy throws the ball down the field like crazy. He is second in the NFL in deep ball attempts. He is fifth in the NFL in air yards. Air yards per attempt, he's number one. He is chucking it deep. And the guy that is getting open down the field is Jaden Reed. He's got the 12th most deep targets in the NFL. Last week was a solid week for him. Um, Only four targets, but... Or, excuse me, five targets, but he caught all five, 84 yards, plus a touchdown, got a couple of big plays, 16 yards, average depth of target in that game, 12.7 on the season, and pretty tasty matchup. The Chargers are allowing big plays. They just let the Lions put up 41 on them. I don't think Green Bay is going to put up 41, but I think the one guy that's going to see some production is a great route runner in Jaden Reed of the Green Bay Packers. My third start of the week, former... Buffalo Bill, Devin Singletary, has re-entered. He's a fantasy zombie. You thought he was dead, never to be played again, and he rose from the dead. Devin Singletary is back. Running backs with lower shares of their team's carries in the last four weeks. Josh Jacobs, excuse me, higher. Josh Jacobs and Kenneth Walker. That's it. That's in the last four weeks... Devin Singletary, third in the NFL in percentage of his team's carries. Last week had that shoot up a lot. It was already starting to track this way. Last week with Damian Pierce out, Devin Singletary had 30 carries against the Cincinnati Bengals for 150 yards, and he got into the end zone. That plus an easy matchup. Arizona gives up the third most points to fantasy running backs. Devin Singletary looked good. He is getting the ball a ton. The coaches in Houston trust him. I think he needs to be played in a super easy matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. 
Sits of the week. Sit number one. This guy I have on a ton of teams. He has been my biggest miss in fantasy all season. Because of the amount of times I drafted him. And how inconsistent to say to be nice it's been. Sit Jahan Dotson. Wide receiver of the Washington Commanders. He's being started still in 35% of leagues. I think that number should be closer to zero. He has now had two goose eggs on the year. Two. He had one in week six. He had another one this past week against the Seattle Seahawks in a game where Sam Howell threw 300 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, Curtis Samuel is and Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, I think, are all catching Howell's eye before Dotson is. I mean, I don't know what it is. Dotson gets open. I mean, if you look at his win rates and all those numbers and, like, how he runs, I watch those games on red zone, and you can see him open once these balls are in the air. But for whatever reason, Sam Howell likes his other receivers. I mean, it's not that bad, right? Like Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin are not schlubs. They're good players. So whatever it is, Dotson does not have his quarterback's eye. This season... Despite running the second most routes in the National Football League, he is 57th in target rate. 57th. Get him out of your lineups. Get him out. I, I just, you can't trust it unless you're in a bye week and you're desperate. If you got him in Dynasty, hold on to him because I still think this is a very talented player. But for now, him and Howell do not have a connection. Sit number two. Time to sit Trevor Lawrence in fantasy football. Maybe time to sit Trevor Lawrence in general. I mean, not really, but it's not looking great for him this year. He's only got nine touchdowns. Only got, is that surprising? Nine touchdowns is all for Trevor Lawrence through ten games. Yeah. Those are the numbers he was putting up in his first season. And part of that is him and Calvin Ridley are not hooking up the way they were at the beginning of the year. Those two are completely off. I picked him up a while ago, Joe, and I and I, and yeah. I have Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. It's like one of these weird things where I keep pulling out of three quarterbacks. That's tough. And I keep saying I got to get rid of one of them, and I don't know which one because I was so scared to get rid of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, I get it. Like of those three, I mean, he's got the most upside. I think rest of the year. Um, for this week, I don't like it. He's playing a Titans team that's allowed the eighth least fantasy points. Um, Lawrence has not finished as a top 10 quarterback in fantasy since week one. In fact, wow. he does not have a 20-point game in standard scoring all season. Four t- points for touchdowns. Lawrence does not have a 20-point performance. I mean, Sam Howell is doing that wow. weekly. Josh Dobbs yeah. is doing that weekly. These guys you probably can't get a hold of anymore. Um but if you can find your way to a, a – Russell Wilson is a better idea, I think, for this week mm-hmm. um, than Trevor Lawrence. I think you got to get him out of your lineup, especially given that it's not the easiest matchup. The Titans are the Titans are pretty good at a, a stopping fancy quarterbacks. And then finally, my final sit of the week, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, who I had on my starts list a couple times early in the season. He was dominating. I mean, he was, he was right there with Devontae Adams. When they had Jimmy Garoppolo in, and then when they had Brian Brian Hoyer in. Here are some numbers on Myers and compared to Devontae Adams. How it really was 1A, 1B until Aiden O'Connell went in. Target share with Jimmy Garoppolo, Devontae Adams, 29%. Jacoby Myers, 26%. With Brian Hoyer, Devontae Adams, 33%. Myers, 30%. With Aiden O'Connell in at quarterback. Target share, Devontae Adams, 31%. Jacoby Myers, 12%. He's still out there. He's still running routes. But Aiden O'Connell likes to push the ball to the outside. 
He is not throwing the ball underneath. He is not throwing the ball over the middle of the field as much. That's where Jacoby Myers likes to win. That's where he likes to eat. In those last couple of games where it has been Aiden O'Connell, Myers only has eight targets. And in those eight targets, five catches, 78 yards. You actually got saved in one of those games because he actually got into the end zone on a rushing touchdown on a reverse, but you cannot bank on that. So until I see this quarterback start to throw it to this wide receiver, I don't think you can play Myers. I think you got to hold him on your bench. Don't drop him if you're in a redraft league because he's still a super talented player. I love him. I, I mean, he'd be great for the Bills. He'd be great for any team that's looking for wide receivers right now. And he was a free agent. Um, but all that to say, you just can't trust him because you don't know if the quarterback's going to throw to him at all. So Myers, Lawrence, and Dotson are my sits of the week and my starts of the week. Devin Singletary, Jaden Reed, and get Josh Dobbs in your lineup. That's number one. Get him in your lineup. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And by the way, I know it's three dog Thursday, so I couldn't take him, but I do think that because it's the other way around, I think the Dolphins are going to destroy the Raiders on Sunday. Doesn't it feel I like that? I think you're probably right. I think I think you're probably yeah. right. I mean, uh, the Raiders are sneaky competitive lately, right? Like Antonio Pierce. Yeah. But I, I think you're. I I would bet that you're right. That you know. The Pierce uh, bump that you get from a new head coach and like the adrenaline of that is going to wear off a little bit, and they're just going to get smoked. And and the Dolphins are coming off a of, and a chance coming back, and it just yep. and they're at home, and the Raiders. Come, I mean, it just feels like this is a they're walking into the slaughterhouse. It feels I like yeah. uh, the Raiders. It'd be great if the Raiders could pull the upset, but I don't see it happening. All right, I am here inside the Bills media room. Joe is uh, in Amherst, but we are going to have. Joe Brady and Eric Washington come to the podium here in a little while down here at One Bills Drive. So we're going to take a timeout right here. We'll come back, and Joe will set us up for that as I hook up to the podium to bring that uh, sound live to you. Joe Brady, new interim Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, set to speak down here with the Buffalo Bills at One Bills Drive in a little while. Stick right here. You'll hear it on the Extra Point Show on WGR. I think more than anything, our focus needs to be on us, in particular on offense, but overall as a team as well, and, and getting us right, right, and getting us back to playing confident, playing with energy, building a, like I said, on our offensive side, building a, a little bit of a culture here, of a subculture of the bigger, of the bigger culture of, of the team. There's that buzzword from yesterday, the subculture on offense. All right. Trust the sub-process. 803 is the phone number I'm getting. Let's go to the phone lines while we wait for offensive coordinator, interim offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, or Eric Washington. We're going to hear from one of the two coming up in a matter of moments. So if we are with you on the phone lines and the coach comes to the podium, we will have to break in just a heads up. But let's go to Mark in New Jersey here. What's up, Mark? Uh, how you doing, Joe? Thanks for having me on. Good. Um I, I really I believe this wholeheartedly that the Cam Newton ascension and erosion in Carolina is what the way that Josh is being handled is playing a role in this by being in McDermott because they had a front row seat for it and they don't want that type of talent to, to happen to them t- twice. And it also, I'll tie it in with Dorsey. Dorsey fell up. And what I mean by that is he just shows up. He was never any kind of coach before. He just he's all of a sudden he's Cam Newton's uh, quarterback coach for like four years. And then he goes to Buffalo and he's with Josh Allen. 
he's not like Joe Brady, who's in the underbelly coaching circuit, a grad assistant, back and forth to college pro, and then takes the long road, has a has an ascension. He's a golden child. Then he gets fired midseason. Now he's in this role. So his path is a lot more conducive with success than I feel like Dorsey, who is just kind of, I don't know, he's just, I still feel like he's one of those guys. He's part of the, the establishment. Mm-hmm. He gets he gets a lot of clout for the for the things he did in college as a player as opposed to his clout as a coach. But I really do feel strongly about the Cam Newton point. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Mark, for the call. I Cam comes up once in a while. I heard a podcast yesterday, um, a national podcast, where Newton was being compared to Allen, and I just I hate that comparison on so many levels with every fiber of my being because. They were very similar when they entered the league in terms of how they played, their strengths, their weaknesses. And then Allen learned to throw. That's a huge gap there. He learned to throw. He fixed his mechanics. There were big, big problems with the way Allen threw the football. And then he went out and he changed it. He worked with Jordan Palmer. He had his throwing motion digitally mapped and changed it that way. Cam never did that work. So what happened when, I mean, again, Cam's body broke down. But remember on that, yeah, he took a lot of hits. The big injury that derailed his career happened when he got in a car accident. That's where his right shoulder got all screwed up. And that is when he just couldn't throw the football anymore. In part because he did not have a mechanical foundation in which to throw the football efficiently. He entirely relied on athleticism. And I don't believe that's where Allen is. I believe Allen has laid the foundation so that the day that he doesn't have the athleticism, he is able to stand back there in the pocket and he's able to deliver to open receivers. they got to be open. We can get into that later. The running part of it, too, like, Newton, again, like, Newton was so reliant on his rushing. And Allen has been, it's been a big part of Allen's game, too, I know. But you'd like to think Allen isn't as reliant on it. And, to be fair, when he was at his best, this is this is where the the, the comparison falls apart for me, too. And I know this is not entirely what you're saying, Mark, but... It just it triggers me whenever I hear Newton brought up with Allen in the same breath. Allen's best year was 2020. It's his best year throwing the football. It's also, coincidentally, the least he's ever needed to rely on rushing. It's his lowest output for rushing yards in a season ever. 400 yards. When the next two years he was over 760. And before that he was at least over 500. But 2020... 400 yards rushing, the least reliant he's ever been. That was Josh Allen at his best. When was Cam Newton at his best? Cam Newton was at his best the year they went 15 and 1. 15 and 1 was the 2015 season. He was an All-Pro MVP. They made the Super Bowl. That year, Cam had over 600 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. Fourth highest, when he played 10 years in the league, the fourth highest rushing output he's ever had. 132 attempts. 
I don't think Newton ever had it in him, injuries or not, ever had it in him to have a long, sustained career in the league. Because I don't believe he ever laid the foundation with, with his throwing mechanics. He came into the league with an inefficient way to throw the football, and he, he had that weird hitch in his shoulder when he would release the ball, and he never fixed it. He never, ever fixed it. And Allen fixed his in year two. Or after year two. So, but on Dorsey, maybe that was a part of the problem. I don't know. Like, did Dorsey think he had Cam Newton 2.0? He didn't run him like that. I know. But 12 personnel is what they used to play in Carolina. And there are elements that are a little reminiscent of that. I don't know. Thanks for the phone call, Mark. We're still waiting on uh, Joe Brady and um, Joe Brady and Eric Washington. Timeout here, or not timeout here. Let's go back to the phone lines. Peter in Arizona is next up. What's up, Peter? Hey, guys. Uh, I was thinking back on something Sal said the other day uh, about John Elway and Josh Allen and their careers and how they've kind of mirror each other. Okay. And I was thinking that, that McDermott coaches Allen exactly like Dan Reeves used to coach John Elway. That they always wanted to play good defense, keep it close, play complimentary football, and then when Dan Reeves needed him to save the day, then he would finally turn Elway loose and let Elway be Elway. And I, I don't know if, if that's really what's going here, going on here, but it sure seems like it. I don't know if if the offensive coordinator has ever been the problem. Um, clearly, McDermott and Dable did not get along. There, there's some issues there, but Dable let Allen be Allen and helped him reach that. Dorsey wasn't. I don't know if that's because, you know, Dorsey didn't have the pull to allow that to happen and, and McDermott was overruling him, but Dan Reeves destroyed John Elway for a number of years, ruined a relationship, and never won the big one. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. I was looking at their careers a little bit earlier on, Reeves and, and Elway, and the Broncos gave Elway and Reeves 10 years to figure it out. 10 years. They, they were together for a decade. Before they then went to Wade Phillips for two years, they went 500 there, and then Mike Shanahan, they finally broke through. And I, I, I said this earlier, there's this Warren Sharp piece out there that is really stuck in my head from yesterday. It's not even really a lot of new information, but the way it's laid out connects a lot of dots that I think are, are right to connect. And it has me really s- taking a step back and figuring out where I'm at with the future of this coach. But more time to talk about that throughout the season and uh, and also during the offseason. All right, let's go down to one Bills drive. They're starting with Eric Washington, so we'll hear from Joe Brady shortly, but here is the Bills' senior defensive assistant. Just really a good point of attack, fundamentals, core fundamentals, good gap control, and when we have to involve a member of the secondary, the clarity is there. So just good, aggressive, consistent, uh, core fundamentals, I would cite as a reason for that. Well, it it's drawing on his experiences. He's playing extremely fast. He's in great shape. And uh, what people don't see is what Ed does away from the practice field. What he's doing in the meeting rooms, the way he is really the note taking, the questions. They're trying to understand exactly what we're doing, situational football. That stuff has gone through the roof. He's taken a, a, a pretty significant jump in my mind uh, with, with some of those things. How did, how did that 
uh, you, that's a great question for Ed, but from my, from my vantage point, it's just a person maturing, a person that's really knowing where to invest and how to invest, and investing with a certain level of attention to detail and just focus on all of these isolated skills and circumstances that allow you to play as fast as he's playing. Well, yeah, well, we, you know, we, we always refer to the standard, and the standard is kind of the guiding principle. And so I don't know if it's we need to do it's, – it's a more issue as much as it is this is what we believe in, these are our values and beliefs, and let's make sure we continue to be near or even if we can, even above some of the, 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 uh, the things that we, that we say that we need to be about. Well, every week you're seeing, you know, why he's been, why he's here, and why he's been a difference maker in the National Football League. The size is is out at that position at corner is is a weapon in of in of itself, and his ability to play a, a tight aligned uh, position against a receiver, to play off, and to tackle, I mean, those those things are, and then his knowledge of what we're doing continues to ramp up, and so. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When that happens, the instincts will be faster, his skills will be faster, but he's picked things up in a very fast rate so far. All right, I'm going to hop in here for a second. Here's what we're going to do. Eric Washington meeting with the media right now. We're expecting to hear from Joe Brady once he is done. So what we're going to do is we're going to take an early time out here. We're going to come back, and we'll kind of clear the decks here until the uh, our, our top of the hour break here um, so that we can get you as much of Joe Brady as we can. So we'll take a time out here. Potentially more of Eric Washington. Not sure how long he'll go when we come back, and uh, we'll hear from the Bills' interim offensive coordinator as well. Sinky Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio down in the Bills' press room. This is WGR. All right, Bills' senior defensive assistant Eric Washington's meeting with the media ended like almost immediately after we went to break. So we're just holding out, wait, hanging out here, waiting for Joe Brady. Be interested to hear from him. I, I'm I'm excited for this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm hopeful. And if you, I mean, if we went back into the archives on some random spring or summer day when the Bills brought in Joe Brady as the quarterback coach, I remember spending a little time with it and really talking it up. Like I loved that idea. I I remember labeling that as 
this is your guy. This is McDermott recognizing what the situation is. He's a defensive-minded coach, and he's going to have a different offensive mind that's going to be running the show every couple of years. Because one of a couple things is going to happen. The guy's either going to be so good that he's going to get a head coaching job, which is always the more likely outcome with the Bills OC, or you know the guy could get fired, and that's what's happened here. And Brady was, well, if Dorsey goes on after two years and he gets a head coaching job, I've got my ready-made next offensive coordinator who's already familiar with the system, already familiar with Josh Allen, and he could just step right in, and then he could do it for two years, and I'll start it all over again. And that was Joe Brady for me. This is your OC waiting in the wings. And he could have probably got another job. I mean, I was reading about... In the offseason, I went back and found this article. There's Alabama writers that are campaigning for Brady to replace Bill O'Brien as Alabama's offensive coordinator before this season started. So, you know, even though he had a really bad time in Carolina, not even really bad, but it was it was not great. He, he got fired. Even though that happened, he's still a name. He's still a, a hot item out there in the coaching ranks, like 34 years old. Super young among a coach still. And he's got enough of a resume to feel like, okay, there really could be something special here. I don't know if it's going to be Shanahan special or McDaniel special or Andy Reid special. But there could be something special here. And someone's going to try to find out. And whoever does, if it is there, man, are they going to reap the benefits of that. And here's hoping that that's going to be the Bills here because... Like, the one job I think is most important for Brady, among plenty of things, like turnovers is going to come to mind for this, the Allen having fun, and, like, the offense getting back to the attitude and the tone that it used to have. Like, all of that, to me, is connected to one thing. The Bills don't get big plays. I think that's their biggest problem. I think all of it connects back to they've got a quarterback that wants to push the ball down the field constantly. He is not happy unless he's doing that. And he he is the guy that put his name to, I will never be captain checkdown. And defenses heard that and said, "All right, we're going to we're going to let you be captain checkdown and we're going to prevent you from doing anything over the top." That is exactly what has happened to Josh Allen. The Bills are not good when it comes to explosive plays. They are nowhere near the top of the league. And in the last six games that they've really struggled on offense, they are 22nd. 22nd in the NFL in explosive plays. To me, that is where all of this begins. They don't get good plays. Big plays. So therefore, the offense is not as fun to play in. The quarterback doesn't have as much fun. It's harder... To score points, that's statistically proven. You're far more likely to score in a drive if you connect in a big play. And now, like, you've gotta you've gotta hit on three times as many plays. That's not that's not a real number, it's exaggerated. But you gotta connect on so many more plays because you gotta go a chunk here, a chunk there, you know, you gotta piece together a drive. Rather than like gone are these three-play, 75-yard drives. like They they don't exist. They don't exist anymore. And that is when Allen was at at his best. 
They'd have two drives a game where they'd do that. They don't exist anymore. And that, to me, is job number one for Joe Brady. Can he figure out a way to open up down the field? Not all the time. He doesn't even have to do it as much as the Bills used to because guess what? That's probably not going to happen. Defense is adjusted. Defense is caught up. Too high safety shell. They are not letting you do it. Well, one job of the coordinator is to pull them out of that. Or guess what? Even if you don't want to pull out of it, we're going to find the opening down the field. That comes to route concepts. That comes to misdirection. Motion sometimes can help out with that. Hey, you want Deontay Hardy to be more open down the field? Have him running before the play starts. The way that the Dolphins do with Tyree Kill. Miami has unlocked that with Tua and their offense. And they've got elite speed. So the Bills can't quite replicate that. But I don't need Joe Brady to do it the same way McDaniel does. But what McDaniel in Miami has accomplished is with the new defenses in the league that are just trying to prevent the big play, Miami and McDaniel have still figured out how they're going to get the big play. And Brady will need a different answer. He will need to find a way to do that differently because he has a very different personnel. And he does have a different background, too. He comes from the Sean Payton tree. Um, At least that's who he worked with first in the NFL with the Saints way back when as an assistant before going to LSU. So that's kind of where his background is versus, I mean, McDaniel comes from Shanahan. And Shanahan comes from Mike Shanahan. So it's just a different it's a different line of thinking, I'm sure, with play calling and route designs and, and whatnot. But he'll have a different answer. you got to get to the same result. Everything will be easier. Everything will be more fun. Points will be scored more. You won't need to be as reliant on the run games. It feels like they kind of need to be right now. If you can find a way for your bazooka-armed quarterback to use the bazooka. That's where they're at. I don't know that he can do it. I don't know that he can do it without installing his own offense. I mean, maybe. Maybe he can. But that's the job. Can they get explosive plays back? That's it. If they do that, I'm pretty confident if they can figure out how to do that, everything else falls in line. Everything else comes back. Maybe they don't make the playoffs because they might have dug themselves too big a hole here. But they can do that. Everything else will get easier. Everything else will feel right. Just bring the big play back. Find a way to do it. It's easier said than done than just screaming into a microphone, find a way to do it. Someone's got to do it. We're still waiting on Brady, right? Just making sure. Okay. Joe Brady will meet with the media momentarily. We'll, uh, we'll carry as much of that as we can. Reminder, if... He comes to the podium in a couple of moments and we're not able to carry the full thing, which we probably won't be able to at this point as we got to get you to Sabres Live coming up at 12. You will be able to find Brady in full on our website, WGR550.com. We'll take phone calls too at 803-0550 while we're waiting. Quick update from Sabres practice, which is ongoing right now. Paul has just tweeted that Eric Comrie has the net to himself, one of the nets to himself, which implies that it will be Comrie starting against Winnipeg tomorrow night. 8 o'clock puck drop. He'll play his former team returning from injured reserve, which will mean they will need to make a move. They will need to send somebody down, and if that's going to be Ryan Johnson, I, man, I just I shake my head at that. He has been so good for the Sabres. But he is appearing 
uh, to be sent down. Or it would appear as though that would be the answer. 8030550 is the phone number. What else do we got waiting on for waiting for Joe Brady? What else do we got in the league this this week? We got Bengals and Ravens tonight. That is an easy one. You're rooting for Baltimore. And by the way, I think Baltimore is going to win that football game. I think Baltimore is a better team. I think you know, can I I'm not one to take a lot of victory laps. I will once in a while. I am uh, not never more willing to take a victory lap than I am on the Baltimore Ravens, who for years, years, I have been screaming into this microphone, screaming on Twitter about how they just don't get offense. They don't realize what they have in Lamar Jackson. They have they were for years with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator, infatuated with the idea that, oh, look how well he can run. Let's design the entire offense around him running. And they built this offense that was this disguised, kind of new look, but old school type of offense where they ran the ball more than anybody. And yeah, a lot of it was the quarterback, but designed runs. And Go look at any quarterback that's mobile in the league. They average almost twice as many yards on scrambles as they do design runs. And by doing that, they also built an offense that never had receivers running open. Ever. Roman didn't know how to design it, and they didn't have the personnel to do it. Finally, they got it through their thick heads this offseason. Maybe Lamar's contract situation played into that. Maybe Jackson told them, I'm not re-signing here unless you build me a real offense. Because Jackson would have known this. He's good from the pocket. He always has been. But they just never tailored anything to that skill set. And I always used to say this, and I might have even been not giving enough credit. Lamar Jackson, if, if if you gave me he's the seventh best passer in the league, but the best runner, being the seventh best passer is more valuable than being the number one running quarterback. Finally, they've done it. They have guys open all the time. Zay Flowers has been great. Beckham has been chipping in here and there, and he's starting to look healthier and better. Rashad Bateman has done it a little bit. Mark Andrews is a great tight end. Like They've got good weapons, and now they've got a coordinator in Todd Munkin that knows how to use them. So what's happening in Baltimore? Well, Jackson is running the ball less than ever, and they're having more success on offense than ever. They look more dominant than ever, and they've looked dominant in the past. I mean, they went 13-2 and with Lamar as a starter in the second year. But everything, look, 70% completion percentage. 66 was his previous high. 7.9 yards per attempt. That's a career high. Passer rating, second high. His uh, MVP season was pretty tough to beat. 36 touchdowns, 6 picks. And he's on pace to smash, smash numbers his career high in uh, passing yards, which is 3,100. He's already within 1,000 of that. And real quick, I don't know if we're going to have time for Brady here. doesn't look like we're going to. The Ravens might be a good thought exercise here when comparing to the Bills. Because the Ravens went out and they completely changed their philosophy. They were will- the head coach was willing to do that. The head coach for years had been we got to run the ball, we got to run Lamar, we got to play good defense. That's our that's our key. 
And finally, they realize, okay, we got to pass it. we got to be able to throw the ball. And the Bills are starting to shift back to run heavy. Not quite run heavy. They're starting to ru- shift back, though, to running more. They are under 60% in the last month. That has never happened to this team before. And if there's a chart I tweeted out that looks at it, they went up, 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 number one. Never mind, Joe Brady's meeting with the media will go to him. Well, actually, we, don't, we, have, we have 20 seconds here. Do you want to go to it, Josh? All right, here's Joe Brady. Yeah, I uh, haven't had a lot of time to really process it all. Just kind of uh, just taking it one day at a time, you know, just worrying about practice right now. It's been a short week, but, um, you know, I'm, exci- I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, We've got a lot of games left right here and just finding a way to get this one. So not really focusing on, okay, kind of the, uh, you know, everything that's kind of happening right now, just trying to say, hey, what do we got to do for practice today? And I'll, I'll kind of think about uh, whatever we got right after that. Yeah, um, just without getting into specifics, it was just, uh, you know, obviously uh, not a scenario that I uh, was uh, looking forward to this year. You know, um, I feel like, uh, but, um, you know, Coach uh, coach was just uh, upfront about it and just let me know. And, um, you know, I was I was all for it. And here we go. Okay, I, I couldn't say enough good words about Ken Dorsey. Like I'm here because of Ken Dorsey and uh, I love that man to death. And uh, um, it, it, it was really tough on me and it still is tough on me. Um, you know, so uh, um, I'm not here to, to speak about any of his play calling or whatever, you know, as the quarterback coach, you know, if, if results didn't happen, which they clearly didn't, um, you know, I'm part of the, I'm part of the, the reason for that and, and to blame. So, um, but I'm excited about the, you know, what we have moving forward. Uh, and the energy that our guys have and the confidence, and it's about us being able to, to kind of do something with that. So, and not really get into specific in terms of like scheme and play calling or whatnot, but just more of uh, us just focusing on finding ways to score points and uh, not turn the ball over. To be honest with you, this organization is uh, first class in everything that they do, and so it's been uh, it's been incredible with the communication, you know, from from Mr. Pergola down. Um, they allow you to be you, you know, just be you with us in a sense of like, um, my personality is allowed to show there's great communication. And so, um, uh, it's been, uh, you have a lot of fun working here. Um, and I know that that's, it's a business and it's a job, but I enjoy coming to work because of the guys and, and, and that I get the coach and then this, this rooms, uh, and, you know, obviously the offensive unit, but our coaching staff. And so just, it gets the, it, you grow just because it's, you just have so much fun being able to come here and just great communication and everything. So, Joe, yeah. Not, no disrespect to the quarterbacks you had in Carolina. What did you learn working with a guy like Joe Burrow, who's at the time of college football, the top of his level at quarterback, you know, as quarterback, learning from that point, what did you learn about that? Um, like at the end of the day, you know, a football you know, all, every quarterback can throw a football, but it's all about, you know, just the mindset uh, that they kind of play and the approach that they take going into it. And um, that's what uh, that's what I'm is so uh, that's what I love about Josh Allen. Um, I'm passionate about, obviously, the Josh Allen. I have so much love for him and um, he's such a competitor and uh, all I want is for him to have success. And so I was fortunate for the opportunity that I had in college with Joe. Um, but just uh, a guy like Josh, just his mindset, his mentality, his approach to the game. Um, it's, it's so much fun. Um, and, uh, just being able to, all I want is for him to have success. And so, 
Um, you get a guy like like Joe in college, just the way that he approached the game, and now just seeing it, seeing uh, Josh at this level, just how detailed he is, how much he cares. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Joe, how has your relationship with Josh grown since you've been here? I think you just continue to get more more and more comfortable. You know, uh, I tried to be, you know, between, uh, you know, in the past, Coach Dorsey, myself, and Josh, like we were – you know, you had you had to all be the same communication and all be kind of attached to the hip, right? That's part of the play caller to the QB coach to the to the QB. And uh, um, Josh is, I believe that you know we're as comfortable as can be in terms of if there's something he doesn't like, he's going to communicate it and vice versa. Because um, I know at the end of the day, this is his show and he's going to lead us to where we need to go. Um, and it's about uh, us having a trust with one another, and I believe that we have that. Not at all. Give me Josh Allen all day, every day. I'm not worried about it. When I look in his eyes before every game, there's not a worry in my mind. And I guarantee you that's the same mindset of everybody in this locker room. So, uh, you know, I believe Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. And, uh, um, and uh, it excites me that I get an opportunity to call plays with him. Because uh, I know I feel like you can look down at the play call and uh, whatever you call, Josh Allen is going to find a way to make it work. And uh, there's a lot of confidence in that. Um, you know, without getting into specifics, you know, I, I don't. Um, to me, at the end of the day, we've lost some football games, and I don't know if that's taking it, but that's we're in the, we're in the a business of winning football games, and so when you win, everyone there's a lot of energy, and so um, you know it starts at the top. I got to point the thumb the, the thumb at myself and not point fingers, and I got to make sure that I bring the energy and I bring the juice, um, and the guys are going to feed off of me, and uh, and I think that'll trickle down to Josh and to the players, and so. Without worrying about you know how the energy was or whatnot, it's about hey, what can we do moving forward? And I think that all starts with me. Have you decided where you're going to call plays? No, I haven't. I haven't even thought past uh, past today yet. You've had the job before, so what, what's the differences for you? Um, to me, uh, you know, the last time I was up and down, so uh, to me, there's uh, there's an emotional element to being down on the field, being able to look your guys in the eyes, but there's also when you're up in the box, it's a lot clearer, less. Uh, Less emotion. Um, you're able to see things without having to look at the pictures. So there's pros and cons of both, and uh, um, I don't have I don't have any issues being uh, one way or the other. Josh used the word juice yesterday when we were talking about you as well. What are you like on game days? <laughs> um, like I try to. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, no, like I, I try to be uh, level-headed um, because I know no matter what happened on the last play, you know we got to focus on that. You know I always tell the quarterbacks like. We're just focused on the next completion. If we threw a touchdown on the last play, all that matters is the next completion. If we threw an interception, all that matters is the next completion. And so I have to embody that as well. So there's a time and a place that you obviously have to, you know, we have to handle things and address things. But to me, I try to have the mindset of like, all right, if there's time left on the clock, we have an opportunity to win this football game. So whatever just happened, I have to be the steady force to be able to get everybody to keep going. So um, I don't know if that's, if that's uh, juice, if that's whatever my personality is, but I do get fired up. Um, but I also feel like I have to be the common force at times uh, that everybody can look at and be like, all right, um, I believe in this guy. Joe, take there us through. specifics you're taking from your first time as offensive coordinator with the Panthers that you're like, looking back on that, I want to do this better, or like something you specifically learned from that experience? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, uh, anytime uh, um, 
I made sure when, when that last opportunity happened, I made sure I, you know, uh, uh, looked back and say, hey, what could I have done differently? What would I do differently if ever given the opportunity again? Um, so there's things that I think are naturally just in my mind. I'd be lying to you if, uh, with the amount of time this week, if I spent a lot of time, you know, uh, thinking about those things. It's, uh, um, I believe in relationships with your players, and uh, I believe if, if we're all on the same page with communication, everything's going to take care of itself. So take us through what it's like going from a position coach along with guys like Garrett Cromer and Kelly Skipper and you know, Adam Henry, and now you get elevated to essentially like their boss, running, mm-hmm. the, running the office, for lack of a better term. A, the operation of that for you, and B, your relationship with them. Yeah, uh, we have the best staff in the league, in my opinion. Um, our communication, us just being able to, um, you know, it's a big thing. Like I told the guys, like we have former offensive coordinators in that room, and it is awesome for me that I can be able to rely on it. But this is not a Joe Brady offense. This is the Buffalo Bills offense. We're in this all together. And I think it's important that the coaches know that, the players know that, um, and that's the only way we're going to be able to have success. And so um, without, I, I, I think, our, and we have a lot of humility in that room um, and that the, at the end of the day, all we care about is winning football games. There's no such thing, you know, I know it, it might not sound it, and we all, but like at the end of the day, we need to score one more point than an opponent. And that's what we're going to focus on. Joe, knowing the in-game responsibilities have to shift and change with your new role, when does that stuff kind of get ironed out in terms of who's handling what? Does that get delineated on Saturday, or you, have you guys already kind of gone over that? Yeah, we'll sort through all of that. Like, I think at the end of the day, like, as the as the, as the quarterback coach, uh, you know you prepare to call every game as if you're going to be the play caller. So my mindset, my approach isn't going to be any different. And then it's just a matter of us just handling. Hey, what's going to be our operation uh, in between drives on the headsets? That's communication that, to be honest with you, uh, we'll we'll kind of handle and address kind of as the week goes. Um. Winning football games, like that's that's our, our job. We're in a bottom line business, and it's, our job is to win games. And but and I think part of that is making sure that the players, um, that you have a relationship with the players, that they believe in you and what they're doing. And so um, it's our job as coaches to put our players in position to have success, and making sure that we're looking at that and that we're doing that. And if they believe in that, then I feel like you know, we'll be able to find ways to win. Yeah, we'll see. Um, without getting, you know, can't really get into specifics with it, but it's, you know, uh, every every game's going to be different, and it's. I think it's important to find a way. There's a way to win every game, and it's about us trying to find that. And so, whatever that spin might be, you know, every game um, might look is. I just said it. It's going to look different, and so to me, um, uh, I can't tell you what the rest of the season is going to look like. Just kind of focused on this week, and you know, I hope that you know some of the things that we're doing is uh, going to bring a positive outcome. I'm sorry. One more time. It's great. Um, it's uh, uh, he's a great head coach to work for. Um, you know, he's he's he, you know, a great communicator. You know, everything that you guys probably see, man. It's a uh, it's a joy to come to work with him and work for him. And so it's it's been really refreshing uh, for the opportunity when once I came here, and uh, I'm truly grateful for it. Yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot to a lot that comes with a turnover. 
Um, I think any time a quarterback throws an interception, right, you see the interception on it. But there's so many, there's so many layers that goes into it, whether it's the protection, you know, where a quarterback might feel like he was a little flustered in the ball or whether it's like the Giants game where it's, you know, we're just doing a move the pocket and it's, you know, it gets it tipped up and it goes up there. So, um, yeah, are the turnovers too much right now? But I think it's us making sure that we're going through and evaluating, like, how are the turnovers happening? Why are they happening? What can we do about it? And so we've spent time, time doing that. Um, and making sure that we're pointing it out to our players and that it's got to be important to our guys. It's got to be important to our quarterback, you know, for us to not turn the ball over. It's got to be important to our running backs, that the ball's in their outside arm, that, um, you know, all those things got to be important to them. And we can't wait. Like, I'm a big believer that you can't wait for the house to catch on fire to check the smoke detectors, right? And so, um, you know, some of those things have showed up the last few weeks and making sure that, hey, guys, we're going to, it's got to be important to us and we got to, uh, God bless you. And, uh, um, just putting it uh, without getting into the specifics of exactly what, what to do about it. Um, just uh, making sure that the guys are aware of it and understand that when we don't turn the football over, you know, we have a great opportunity to win the football game. Um, look, I, I, I hope that my, my approach that I took as a QB coach, that the guys saw that, uh, how much that it means for, uh, how much it means to me for them to have success, and so I, I don't have to, like in my mind, whether I'm calling plays or not, my approach, nothing's going to change, and uh, I don't believe that just because a position might have been elevated that, you know, uh, you have to do anything differently. Like this is how I, uh, how I prepared, how I approached, how I came to practice, my, my intention, all of that. Nothing's going to change. Now it's just a mindset of just being able to look the guys in the eyes and be able to speak to them as a group and a unit, and so. Uh, to me, it's about once I get up there, just embodying confidence, um, belief, and uh, hope that they just respect the way that I go about it. Um, and whether they do or not right now, hoping that my work ethic, as they see me moving forward, will um, uh, they'll, they'll eventually believe in that. How much does the I realized I wasn't good enough to be a player. Um, no, I, I've always I've always had a passion for this game of football. It's uh, it's um, it means so much to me. It's not it's not just a job. Like I love football, and um, um, once I realized as a player in college that I wasn't uh, I wasn't very good, um, I had to realize that hey, you know what am I going to do with it? And obviously, my parents you know paid some money for a nice degree that uh, I didn't actually utilize. But when it got to that point, there's nothing I'd rather do besides coach football. I'm, I'm sorry, one more time. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing is just making sure that we're putting our players in position to have success and just know that I have full confidence in, in the guys that in that room. Um, there's not a route, there's not a, uh, a decision that I feel like, hey, you know what, I don't think that guy's going to be able to make that play. And uh, those guys know that I believe in them and uh, being able to get them, around, get them involved and making sure that we're putting those we're making them run routes and putting them in positions. Uh, and that's not saying that we didn't do that, but that's just making sure that reiterating to them that, hey, I believe in you guys, um, regardless of uh, if, where the ball is going to go, I believe that you guys are going to make the play. Um, I think, 
I think anytime you're up in the box, you just see, you see everything happening. You know, like you're on the field sometimes, it's like, you're, hey, you're trying to look at the point of attack or you're trying to get a feel. I remember my first time on the, uh, in, in 2020, my first time on the sideline, I was just trying to figure out where do I stand to call plays. You know, it's like, hey, can you see things? Are you going to be? So uh, when you're up in the box, you, you don't have to go back in the drive and say, hey, what coverage was that? Uh, you have a pulse of the, you know, you're able to see where the ball spotted right away. You don't have to wait. So there's little intricacies of that. Um, but I think anytime uh, the more experience that you have calling plays, you just continue to get more and more comfortable at that. Um, and so, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity again. Joe, is there something to more of, of like earning respect at your age, like with some of the guys in your room? This might even go back more to Carolina when you were a little younger in your position. You got guys that are close to your age. And, yeah. You know, that's not normal in this business necessarily to lead men like that. Is there a certain way you have to navigate through that maybe than if you were older, I guess? Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you just got to be yourself. You know, the, the, I think I believe players are going to see authenticity or not. You know, if I try to be something, if I start, if I'm a guy that's going to start yelling, but I'm not a yeller, they're going to see through that. If I try to act like I'm the smartest person in the room when I know I'm not, they're going to see right through that. And so to me, it's about um, them seeing my personality and knowing that, hey, this, this is who this guy is. I'm going to slur words. I'm going to, I'm going to stutter. I'm going to, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm human, but hey, this is me. Um, and I believe when, when people see that you're authentic and that you care and that you love for them and you want them to have success, uh, then I believe that they're going to want to play for you. You spent a lot of time as well. How have you acclimated to Buffalo and just your impressions of the city and the fan base here? It's, it's the greatest. It's the greatest. I, I wear shorts at every practice. Um, you know what I mean? I'm a South Florida guy, but uh, um, this city is uh, – I love, I love the city of Buffalo. Like, this place means a lot to me. Um, it means a lot to my family, like just seeing the passion, the passion that the fans have, how much they want to win. Like, I, w- I want that, you know. And so uh, it's fun to be here in this organization and knowing that the fans, the city, the organization all, all is aligned and wants the exact same thing. Um, and so uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to be a part of that. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.